popping up the champagne. Pop. It's my house. Come on, turn it up. Uh. Hear a knock on the door and the night begins. Cause we've done this before, so you come on in. Make yourself at my home. Tell me where you been. Pour yourself something cold, baby. Cheers to this. Sometimes you gotta stay in, and you know where I live. Yeah, you know what we is. Sometimes you gotta stay in. in. Welcome to my house, baby. Take control now. Welcome to Take It to the House. I'm your host, James House. And first and foremost, I want to say thank you for being a part of the very first episode of hopefully many, 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 many episodes of Take It to the House. Uh, It's definitely something I've been very passionate about, something I've been wanting to do for a very, very long time. And uh, finally just had some of my family and my friends just bluntly tell me hey man stop talking and do it so here it is so i kind of want to base this show really around uh what i would call like cookout talk which is basically i know in my family you know you had a family reunion you got the food going you got people drinking some beers or some alcohol whatever they're drinking and you just talk about everything from sports to music to life and i want to have those conversations with with you and I want to be able to have a dialogue with, with you all and be able to get different perspectives on different topics and, and have fun with it. So here we go. Let's get it started. Every show that we do, we're going to start it off with current events and we're going to call it housekeeping. Housekeeping. I think you're sleeping. Housekeeping. So let me ask you guys something. Is Kanye West the Donald Trump of music? Because don't people just love to hate this dude? Kanye West just released a music video for his song Famous. The song itself, I think, personally, I like it. Uh, Kanye West, it's probably one of his best songs on his album that he just released, Life of Pablo. Uh, last few albums, have only had a few good songs on each one of them. Anyway, that's away from the point. One of Kanye West's most famous ad-libs is wake up mr west well it looks like that's exactly what he did when he woke up in bed next to his wife kim kardashian a topless taylor swift donald trump bill cosby so on and so forth and the biggest famous person orgy of all time so the backstory is in the song famous he calls out taylor swift saying that he feels like she still owes him sex because he made her famous. That's one thing. But to go and act on that and make a music video for it, is this dude asking to get sued? Didn't he just file for bankruptcy? I don't know what he's going to do, man. But I think he loves to be hated. He's just like Donald Trump, man. You, uh, You fall out of the news for a little bit. And you just got to do something to stay relevant. Kanye West, 
keep doing what you're doing, brother, because we love to hate you. So let's shift the news to another bankrupt rapper, supposedly. 50 Cent, who just got arrested in St. Kitts for cursing on stage. He dropped the, the MF-er, not knowing that in St. Kitts, it's illegal to curse in public. So I feel bad for 50 Cent because, first and foremost, whoever booked this dude has to know that he's a rapper and he probably curses and every other word that he says in his lyrics. So don't you think common sense would say, hey man, if you don't want to get fined for your last few dollars that you supposedly don't own, maybe you should have the edited version of your songs given to the DJ and maybe you should edit yourself while you're on stage, especially since we got the police sitting right here in the crowd listening to your concert Maybe not necessarily listening for some curse words, but they just so happen to be here. So, of course, we all know what happens. He curses. At the end of the concert, the police arrest him, put him in jail, and now he has to sit in jail for the weekend, Saturday and Sunday, until Monday, where he can post bail. Doesn't this seem like this all could have been avoided? What a waste of time and a waste of money for 50 Cent. If I'm 50... There's plenty of other islands that I can go to and vacation at. Oh man, I love me some good old Texas news. So everybody knows, or I hope everybody has heard of what's going on with uh, England and the Brexit, quote unquote. So of course, here we go in the news again with the state of Texas feeling like they should secede like they feel every year. And they are calling it the Texit. So, thank goodness Texas governor has some sort of sense. And he comes out and says, in no way, shape, or form are they going to be seceding. Now look, one thing I respect about Texas and Texans is the love that they have for where they're from. But let's be serious here. Texas hugely benefits from being a part of the United States. But also, the United States hugely benefits from Texas being a part of it. To my fellow Texans, I have plenty of friends that still live in Texas. Please stop. Please stop it. We get it. Texas is great. You guys are great. Awesome. Fantastic. Just stop the crap, please. Texas, y'all ain't going nowhere. Y'all need us. Y'all need us. Try it. That's all I'm going to say. Just try it. Please go try it. Go see what the world is like on your own. And come on crawling back to good old United States of America. And we'll think about taking you back. Leave you out there for a little longer. So you can cry a little longer. And then make you want us a little more desperately. And then we'll say, alright, come on back. But if you ever do it again, I'm not taking you back. Let me tell you exactly what's going to happen as soon as Texas feels like they can secede. There's a big old country right to the south of Texas called Mexico. They actually used to own Texas. Long story there, but we won't go into that. So, as soon as Texas secedes and feels like they could do it on their own, little baby bird, they're going to try to fly off, they're going to hit the ground, and then some reptile friggin alligators gonna come by the name of Mexico 
And they're going to say, hey, little baby bird, you think you can do it on your own? Chomp, chomp, chomp. And, of course, you know, I can't leave out Florida. I know Florida's a crazy place. So there are there is some crazy news going on in Florida. Florida man punches a swan in front of police officers in self-defense and gets arrested. Supposedly, he was walking along this lake in Orlando, and he got too close to the swan's babies, and the swan came after him, and they got into a little tussle. Honestly, I don't blame the man for knocking the swan out, because the past few weeks, humans have been taking these L's from these animals, and we gotta let these, these animals in the animal kingdom know who's still running the game. So if you ask me, the man had to do what he had to do. But uh, all kidding aside, uh, the swan lived, so everything's good to go. This next segment is called House Music. It's brought to you by Dreamhouse Weddings and Events, turning dreams into reality. This is Way Yon featuring Kevin Cossum with Slow Motion. Way Put that thing on me and move it slow motion Methazine sex, beat it till the mama get aquafine wet. Nah, I ain't thirsty, girl, I just need that. I can read your body language, tryna give you feedback. Now I'm feeling on your booty, we ain't make it down the hallway. If the head right, I'll be there all night, all day. That thing on me and move it slow motion. Slow motion. Slow motion. We ride through my city, smoking on these L's, puffing like we did it. Now take that, slow motion like Prozac. Don't worry about my ex pussy, that's so bad, and you know that. Picture perfect, eye moment like Kodak. 69, plain and simple, I'ma eat it up while you slurp mine Breathe the heart is your vital sign Stroking, all in slow motion I get the poking in your ocean Feel like I'm floating, it ain't no joking I be feeling like we in a rodeo Cowgirl in slow-mo, pussy lips so divine Sipping on you like fine wine Light cigars, have a nightcap I throw it to you, you throw it right back Sweat drip, perfect slip, you the only thing that I cuff So yeah, I'm, I'm feeling on your booty, we ain't make it down the hallway If the head right, I'll be there all night, all day Slow motion, it's right with that ego, 
into it i'm gonna give leroy the floor to be able to talk and say whatever he wants to say about the miami heat organization <laughs> Dwayne wade coming from a pure miami heat fan leroy the floor is yours uh, i i have so many lasting memories of Dwayne wade but i'll be honest I'm a Heat fan, pure at heart. But when we drafted this guy, I had no idea who he was. <laughs> you you see the commissioner come up on the stage and Miami Heat with the fifth pick in a, a 2003 draft select Dwayne Wade. I'm like, who? Who's this guy from Marquette? <laughs> 13 years later, greatest player in our, our, our team's history. It saddens me to see him go. It saddens me even more to see how he left, but I, I don't blame him for right. that. You know, you understand that it's a business, man. And, and as tough as that is to sort of stomach, you know, because you want to see the best players and treated the right way. Right. You, know, you got these certain players out here getting these huge contracts, man. They don't deserve it. Tim- Timothy Mosgoff <laughs> got a payday from the Lakers. A payday from the Lakers. Right. You know, and, my, and the Heat and Pat Riley, with all due respect, you, you couldn't shoot the way a few more million. So he, look, he did bring us okay. two championships. Let me ask you this. All right. So it's kind of comparable to Kobe Bryant, right? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So uh, Chicago offered D Wade two years, I think it was $47.5 million, right? Yep. So quick math, that's about. 20, a little over 23 mil a year. Yeah. Should Pat Riley have paid D-Wade 23 mil a year? So when you bring Kobe Bryant into the mix and you talk about his contract from the Lakers, you, you have to remember the contract that Kobe got from the Lakers, I, I would say it was about, what, three, four years ago when they gave him this huge money. They knew he was on his last leg. Maybe he had two years left. But still, they paid him this huge money. You have to remember, they didn't pay him that money for the future. They pay him that money for the past, for the five championships that he had helped bring to L.A. Okay. That was sort of Kobe, thank you. Right. We know you're on your last leg, but here, here's your big payday. Right. That's what I wanted to see Miami do for Dwayne Wade. So you be we know, willing... We know you're on your last leg, <laughs> but here. So you be here. willing to, to take, to basically tank the season to pay D-Wade just so, you know, out of appreciation for what he's done for the organization. Taint the season? Why would we have to taint the season? I mean, because basically, you're, who else do they have? They got Joe well, Johnson, and well, Joe Johnson left. We would we would have had. We still have Dragic. We okay. would 
Pat Whiteside, we have Whiteside currently, and you signed D Wade, and you have some uh, a few up and coming stars, and you know Justice Winslow, and and Johnson, you have up up and coming stars who will sort of take the baton, if you will, once D Wade's out of there. Okay. Now, one thing I can say about Pat Riley, he's an exceptional businessman, obviously, and he was not willing to sort of fall into this financial cesspool like the Lakers have when they gave Kobe Bryant that contract. You remember, they gave Kobe Bryant that contract, but they couldn't go out and put anyone else around Kobe Bryant. They had to bring in and people that have price. You know, right. um, you have uh, Hibbert. <laughs> they brought him in over from Indiana. Like, <laughs> he's contributed what? Nothing. Right. You know, at one point, they had Carlos Boozer. Right. When he was on his, like, you know, they had to go and, like, sort of scrape and, and scratch. You know, and Pat Riley was not willing to do that or go through that just to give D-Wade that money. So, so in that sense, I can res- I can understand that. Right? I, that's the business side of it, you know? Who's right? Is is uh, Are the Bus family in L.A. right for paying respects and putting up the money? Or is Pat Riley right for making a good business decision and saying, <sighs> hey, we can use that 23 mil a year somewhere else for up-and-coming talent, you know? My heart, is there a right? My heart says the bus family was right. <laughs> my heart says the bus family was right. Listen, man, uh, if you don't work, you can't eat. Kobe Bryant put in years of work. He's eating now, you know? <laughs> D Wade is putting years of work. I would have preferred him to be a, eating at our table. But, you know, he's going to go over there, you know, in Chicago and do his thing. So my, my heart says the bus family was right. You pay the players that have brought you success. And D-Wade has brought us tremendous success. He, like I said, he brought in the three rings. He made it work with Shaq. He got LeBron on the squad. Okay. He has brought so much success to the city of Miami. Pay him. But logically, from a business standpoint, me being sort of a futurist, I love you, D-Wade, but we can't give you that money. We can't get tied down. <laughs> so are you? So it sounds like you're torn. So are you? I am. Yes or no? Are you happy with the move? <laughs> I, I'm happy with the move. All right. I am. I, I, I'll be honest. One thing I will never do on this podcast is lie. I will never do that. <laughs> and the truth is, I'm happy. Okay. D-Wade, I wish you the best. I love you. Thank you for 13 years. But you know, breakups are hard, man. You're right about that. And you know what? It's uh it's crazy because it seems like nowadays uh the players are in control, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it all started with the villain himself, uh LeBron James and the decision, right? Yep. Yep. But uh, you know, something I was talking uh with my wife about, Ija, and I was saying you know, or I was asking, do people hate him because of what he did or, you know, how he did it? Or do yeah. they hate him because he was the first one to do it? When you say people, are you speaking specifically about players or about owners? Well, I, I tell you right now, I bet you the players don't hate him right now. But I mean, like the fans, like you have all these LeBron haters and they say, well, I don't like how he left Cleveland. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but absolutely. you see all these players now 
Um, well, I mean, you don't know if they, how they really think, if they want to leave or they don't want to leave or if it's a business decision or what. But you have players that are leaving their teams to go play other places, yeah. i.e. Kevin Durant, uh, like we just talked about, Dwayne Wade, uh, mm-hmm. David West uh, is going further out west now. You know, uh, Aldridge moved to San Antonio. You got people moving to these places where they feel like they can win now yeah. and they're in control. But it's just crazy to see how much, and I don't know if it's because of the salary cap, how much of a power shift there is now, how the players are really, really saying what's going on in the league. Yeah. But it's just nuts, man. Uh, So with that being said, you have Kevin Durant, who just signed or is getting ready to sign with Golden State. And nobody hates him for it, or at least nobody outside of Oklahoma City hates him for it. But isn't it the same as when LeBron left? It's not the same as when LeBron left. In the sense that one of the reasons I think people hate LeBron is because of the way that he left. I think that if we really were to ask people right. except those you know obviously from Ohio people outside of Ohio if we really were to ask them why does it bother you so much that LeBron left when he left to go to Miami it was how he left you you hold this a sort of national TV press conference if you will to announce your decision okay and you don't even tell the owners you tell the owners the day of I think yeah. uh, or a few hours before you go on TV that you're leaving so I think that really rub people the wrong way and again LeBron was young you know players do dumb things when they're young we do dumb things when we're young and LeBron came in the league when he was 18 Still young, bro. he had all this limelight even when he was in high school so he was bound to make a mistake at some point and I think that was his mistake and obviously he's learned from it and he's had great success since then Okay. So I think people are upset that Kevin Durant left because of the team that he's gone to. Yes. He went to a team that knocked him out of the playoffs. Isn't that he went to a team. easy way out? Well, I don't think that there's an easy way out in sports. Winning a championship, winning a playoff series is not easy. Right. I mean, I, you can look at the Boston Celtics when they uh, accumulated Ray Allen, Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce. You would have thought that they would have had two, three championships with that trio. Well, they were only able to get one. And then they lost one in a seven-game series. You look at the Miami Heat when we accumulated LeBron, Bosh, and Wade. We lost in the finals to the Dallas Mavericks in six. So I don't think he took the easy way out. Again, there's no easy way out when it comes to sports. No one's going to lay down and let Golden State just win. Right. They're gonna have to bring it every night, just like the Heat did a few years back. Do you think? And I think Kevin Durant understands take, that. Uh, and he knows that. Do you think he's trying to take an easier path? I think that there's so much pressure on athletes to win at the highest level that he. They. They. I mean, you gotta remember that they're human. You know, they, they succumb to pressure just like we do every day in our, in our normal day jobs. So in order to sort of protect his legacy, 
or to protect his name or his reputation, if you will, he is going to try to search for the best path that will provide him an opportunity to win a championship. Not necessarily the, the easiest path that's going to give him a championship yeah. because that doesn't exist. Well, well, people respect He's found that, the path though. that he feels is best for him in order to give him an opportunity to win a championship. Are we going to respect that? If he goes to or to uh, Golden State, let's say they win next year or they win anyway, whenever they mm-hmm. win, yeah. Do you think we remember Kevin Durant as NBA champion Kevin Durant with the Golden State Warriors, or do you think we remember this whole situation where he left and went to a team that's pretty much already assembled, has already won a championship without him, so we know they're good enough, has been yeah. to the finals two years in a row, so we know that they can do it without him. Yeah. And he basically rode their coattails. <laughs> For la- I mean, <laughs> I guess not even ride their coattails. I mean, I would assume he's going to put in his work and they're going to depend on him on a nightly basis, you know? Absolutely. But I think... I, I just, you know, I, I'm i not old school in any, any way, shape, or form, but I just yeah. feel like I respect... Uh, again, like a Dwayne Wade, a uh, Kobe Bryant, or yeah, if you want to go old, like Michael Jordan or uh, Paul Pierce in Boston, mm-hmm. like people that stayed there through the thick, through the thin, and it came to them, you know, and they worked yeah. hard and they earned it. And mm-hmm. I look at that and I'm like, come on, dude, like you're in your prime. You yeah. guys who could have had it, you had it in your grasp and you let it go, yeah. you know? Yeah. I think. For me, personally, it's twofold. I respect him for recognizing the power that he has to choose his own destiny, just like LeBron did. And again, as you brought up, do you think people hate them because they now see that they have this power and they can choose to go wherever they want and they can sort of forge their own destiny? Yes, I love that. One of the reasons I love it, let's let's break it down sort of, you know, from a demographical standpoint. <laughs> Most of the players in the NBA are African-American. Right. Most of the owners are white men. Right. There's this imagery where these white owners sort of control what these African-American athletes can do. Yes. I'll give you a prime example. AI in a league during this, so, you know, right at the sort of in his prime or towards the end of his years, we come out, David Stern comes out with the dress code. Yeah. Where they can no longer, you know, dress a certain way because it's found offensive or it's not, you know, the NBA way. These are grown men. Who are you to tell them how they can dress? Okay. They go to work just like everybody else. So, okay. Before you go any further, right? Yeah. The key word is work. Okay. Right. So this is your job. Okay. So, me, you both, and I'm sure most of our listeners have worked for a job or a company where there's a dress mm-hmm. code. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. So, if a company enforces a dress code, you should abide by that dress code. Correct. If you feel it's fair. Okay. So. If you feel it's fair. The NBA dress code is unfair. Or was I, unfair. I, I don't... I don't necessarily, I'm not going to say that it was unfair. Maybe certain players found it to be unfair, 
I felt that it targeted a specific group. And again, proportionally, most of the NBA is made up of African Americans. I'll tell so, you who they need to target right now with that dress code is Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook. He is <laughs> terrible. I don't know what yeah. he is thinking when he pulls up in the parking lot or when he's getting yeah. dressed. But, but Lord but again, have mercy, man. But again, it's them taking taking their own pot. It's them forging their own way. You're right. If you're going to put a dress code on me, Okay, this is how I'm this is how I'm gonna dress. I'm gonna still fit within your guidelines, but I'm gonna make it fit my own style, you know? Yeah. And it's the same thing with LeBron and Kevin Durant, them choosing their own team, choosing where they wanna go. If you don't wanna pay me this money, or if you don't wanna give me this due, or if you don't wanna put players around me, fine. I will forge a team myself. Yeah. And I will go and win. Man. LeBron did it after he won that first championship, with the exception of people in Ohio. No one outside of Ohio hated LeBron anymore. Oh, I could at least say that the hate and the vitriol that was thrown his way was lessened. And I think the same thing will be for Kevin Durant, with the exception of those who live in Oklahoma City. He wins one or two championships, all will be forgiven. Yeah, we'll see, man. I, you know, it's just, it's kind of different because, you know, LeBron went to Miami. And, you know, it's just, I think the, the main point for me is Miami was not an established championship team anymore yeah you know they had one Dwayne Wade had one before uh years before when Shaq was there but you know they were a playoff team but they weren't what they became when LeBron showed up he added to that team Kevin Durant and you know what in my opinion I don't think I don't think Golden State is gonna be as good as uh people think they will be next year and I guess that's on the record now I just look i and again, I said I'm not old school uh, by any means, but I do believe in one old school, uh, I guess, mentality is there's only one ball, right? And their ball yeah. movement is crazy. But at the end of the day, only one person can shoot the ball at one time. So I feel like Kevin Durant going there, and I'm, I'm he's a good teammate. You know, he's not a ball stopper like Carmelo or anybody like that. But I just feel like the chemistry that they had there, uh, you had all these players that, you know, basically grew up together in the league. Now, Kevin Durant's going to have to go there and try to adapt to it. And I'm sure he's played with, you know, Steph Curry and these other guys before on Team USA, USA and all team. that. But it's just, you know, it's different, man. It's 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 different because you, you're not playing with, uh, you know, uh, DeMarcus Cousins as your center or anybody yeah. like that. You know, yeah. I don't even know who their center is going to be now because Bogut's gone. So now it's just like, yeah, you're used to playing with Klay Thompson, you're used to playing with Steph Curry, but now who are these other uh, eight guys on your team? Nine Build that chemistry. Team, you know, and now you have a summer, and that's what I think happened when LeBron went to Miami is people thought it was going to happen right then. And they got a rude awakening because they ran into a Dallas team that had that chemistry, that had been playing together for a while, and they got their hearts broke that first year. Then came back the next year, ready to go. And I think people underplay that chemistry factor a lot in all sports, yeah. man. But um, so we talked a little bit about uh, Carmelo coming out, right? Since we're on this NBA yeah. topic. So I want you to tell me uh, a little bit more about what you saw uh, with Carmelo coming out, talking about athletes coming together. Yeah, so I, I you know, was on Yahoo um, – the other day, I think it was ESPN, 
one of the few websites that I, I sort of go to for current events. Um, and I was happy to see Carmelo take out an ad in one of the New York newspapers, basically calling for athletes to come together, to be more outspoken, to speak out against the injustices that are uh, levied upon um, black Americans. And what really touched me was, and I think what's really important here is that he said, we can no longer worry about our endorsements. We can't worry about those things. We can't allow those things to stop us from speaking out. Now, you know, LeBron has been doing this since he was in Miami. You know, when Trayvon Martin was killed by George Zimmerman, um, the entire Heat team, you know, they wore their hoodies and respects and remembrance of Trayvon Martin. When um, I believe it was uh, Eric Gardner, uh, forgive me if I'm, I'm speaking inaccurately here, but he wore LeBron, he wore the I Can't Breathe shirt, right? which was basically what Eric Gardner said as the police uh, were pinning him down to the ground. Right. So LeBron has been doing this uh, for some years now, and I think that it's sort of permeating throughout the league into other industries, the music industry and, and the NFL and what have you. Athletes are beginning to use their voice to speak out on some of these social issues. So I have profound respect and appreciation for Carmelo Anthony calling on fellow athletes to take a stand and not worry about the financial, you know, burdens that may come along with it. Definitely, man. I, um, I agree. I think, uh, you know, it's a business and when you yourself are a brand, and you have to yeah. think like every move that you make, you have to think about your brand. Like yeah. Sometimes or a lot of times that gets in, in the way of how people really feel about things or it gets in the way of your, you know, being a human and having yeah. emotions and feelings. So yeah. I do like that, man. I think sometimes you just have to say, look, man, if they want to, if who's Carmelo Jordan wants to drop me for speaking yeah. my mind and and whatever then that's fine if i need to get fined by phil jackson the knicks then so be it you know i i agree with you man that's uh it's powerful and you know a lot of respect because and i think it's fans oh i'm sorry i don't mean to cut you off that's good that's it man i just think you know he just he deserves him lebron uh all the athletes i know there's a lot of nfl athletes that were wearing Mm -hmm. the t-shirts last year uh, they deserve the utmost respect because they're doing something that is scary for them, you know? It's, yeah, you know, yeah. Putting their livelihood on the line. Uh, they're, Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's important for us as fans and uh, people in, in the black community to sort of understand and be somewhat patient. And by that I mean... When Trayvon Martin was killed, I was, I'm looking like, okay, who's speaking out? LeBron, LeBron, where are you at? Dwayne Wade, where are you at? You know, um, Jay-Z, where are y'all at? You know, we, we support y'all by buying y'all products, buying y'all merchandise, but I don't hear any of you all talking or lending your voice to our cause. But I read something that I think is important and sort of gave me, you know, put my, uh, gave me a different perspective. Beyonce, specifically. At the Super Bowl, she does the formation performance. 
she gives a, a sort of shout out to Malcolm X and the Black Panther Party. Right. And of course, the, our nation went, you know, turned upside down. Oh my gosh, she's, you know, pro-black and she's uh, supporting this militant black power. I'm like, you know, so everyone up uh, is up in arms about it. While the black community, I feel, and some people, I, you know, I think I speak for most people, like, okay, where has this been? <laughs> Finally, Beyonce. Yeah. You know, but I, I had to remember, and again, I read that when Beyonce first sort of came into the spotlight with Destiny's Child, she was young. She had no idea who she was, not only as an artist, but as a person. So how could she speak out on issues that we were going, you know, that we were that we were going through as a community? Right. Yeah, man. What we had we had to sit back and learn. She had to sit back and learn. Yeah. LeBron had to sit back and learn. Carmelo Anthony has learned. Now, with their knowledge, with their experience, with a bigger platform to go along with that knowledge and that experience, they can speak out on these issues. I think that they they recognize that if we come out and speak out on something that we don't fully know about, it not only brings damage to ourselves, but to the bigger cause for our people, for progressiveness and advancement. Because we, we know nothing about what's going on in these communities, what our people are suffering, you know, going through uh, uh, economically, spiritually. We, we know nothing about this. Right. Because they're so wrapped up, they're so wrapped up in their, their, their own endeavors, whether it's Beyonce with music or Carmelo Anthony and LeBron with basketball, have you? these are just a few examples. Right. So they had to sit back and learn just like we all have to do. And now they're using their platforms with that knowledge that they've gained to speak out on some of these injustices. Yeah, man. I, uh, again, like I, I agree. It's just, you know, you talked about that learning, uh, aspect and I think sometimes it just takes, you know, something for, for the light switch to be flipped on, you know? Yes. Uh, absolutely. Like you can know and see all these things and, you know, and I'm sure there's a lot of entertainers out there, uh, that are in tune with you know what's going on in their communities and just what society as a whole but sometimes you know everybody has that that thing where it just goes from something in the back of your mind to something that's coming out of your mouth you know yeah and i think that's what we're seeing a lot too is you know i think a lot of people are upset about what what's going on or people have uh, feelings about anything, um, but we live in a time now with social media um, where you can say these things, and mm-hmm. you know you have a platform right at the at the tip of your fingers, man, where you can say what you want to say, type what you want to type, uh, use your freedom of speech in whatever way you feel you can want to use it as an American citizen. And I think mm-hmm. that's what we're we're getting right now, not only from celebrities, but from everybody, man. People yeah. <laughs> that feel like they never had a voice before, uh, whether that's positively or negatively. Mm-hmm. Uh, just you know, they they have a voice now. Mm-hmm. So yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, now, with that being said, since we're on the uh, having a voice topic 
uh, let's, uh, let's talk about what's going on in, uh, I guess, in our country right now, or I guess where I'm at in America. <laughs> uh, with these uh, police shootings, man. Um, and not only the police shootings, but police getting shot uh, while they're on duty. Uh, so first and foremost, I want to send our condolences to all the families that are involved or all families that have ever been involved. Uh, and shoot, even if we can apologize and for the future involvements, because it doesn't like it's going to stop anytime soon. Uh, but definitely, man, condolences and prayers and sympathy. Absolutely, absolutely. Everybody, man, because... A lot of this stuff is just senseless, man, and that seems like it's the the key word for you know all over every media outlet is senseless, senseless, senseless. And people are trying to figure out why. So uh, I want to get your take, man, coming from an America, uh, a Black American in in China. Uh, how do you feel about all the things that have been going on the past few days? You know, I, the day after it happened, I, I had to come to work. I'm a teacher out here. I, I teach English in Beijing. And I, I see the images of Alton Sterling lying on the ground, bloody. And I see the images of Mr. Castle in his car daughter in the back seat, bloody. I walked out of a meeting. I, I literally walked out of a meeting because I could, I could not sit and pretend that I was okay because I was not. I was emotionally torn, devastated. I don't... It's always funny when, when things like this happen back home, I always get sort of two reactions from people abroad. One is me being an American and one is me being a black man. The American response or reaction that I get from people is, how could your country allow their police force to do this? Why does your country let police kill their citizens? The black response is, how could you as a black man want to live in America? Why would you go back? It pains me to get those questions about my country. Because I know that America is one of the greatest countries in the world, but we have a problem in our society today. I've said it over and over again. I said it last night when I attended a vigil with uh, fellow black Americans, Africans, and white Americans here in Beijing. When police officers can drive up and shoot a 12-year-old boy, Tamir Rice, in less than three seconds and leave him lying there on the ground, we have a problem in our society. When police officers can shoot a man sitting in the front seat of his car after he's told them that he has a gun legally and he's reaching for his ID, you shoot him 
while his daughter is in the back seat. That is barbaric. That is you not acknowledging that this person is a human being. And I'm sick and tired of people responding lives matter uh, all lives Oh, if right. all lives say matter, that, uh, Samir Rice time. would be alive today. Say it one more time. Uh, oh, I think your your mic cut out. Oh, shit. Can you hear me now? Yeah. I said I'm sick and tired of people saying in response to Black Lives Matter that, oh, all lives matter. Oh, well, blue lives matter. Because it's not true. Because if all lives matter, then Tamir Rice will be alive today. Eric Gardner will be alive today. Alton Sterling would be alive today. Mr. Castle would be alive today. If, if all lives matter. No one's attacking the police force. My uncle's a police officer. He's been one well over 20 years. We all know how dangerous the job is. And we appreciate them greatly. The good ones. But when you're wrong, you need to be held accountable. Period. You were trained to suppress a negative situation, not exacerbate it. You were trained to abate a hostile environment, not amplify it. This is what police officers are trained to do. They are not trained to shoot first, ask questions later. So yes, I'm angry. Yes, Black America's angry because our country refuses to acknowledge that racism still exists and that we have racist police officers. Not all, but there are some. And until we work to change the image of the Black man, of the Black body in America, not one of a criminal, not one of a, of a monster, not one of a thug, then we won't get anywhere. Right. So, my question is, I guess for you and for our listeners or for anybody is race, right? And you talked about Black Lives Matter. I've seen people saying Blue Lives Matter, which I see people saying All Lives Matter. And I mean, it's, of course, a staying obvious. We, we know every life should matter, right? But going to race and in these particular situations, is this a racial issue, right? And this is why I ask this, because right now at the forefront, we do see... Uh, the shootings of black men all over these media outlets and it's enraging our community to be able to step up and say hey enough is enough you know and that's what we should be doing we should be standing up for each other um, as a, as our race and Humanity should be stepping up for black people as a race. 
But I'm wondering if this is there a bigger issue here, right? And maybe the word bigger shouldn't be uh, focused on as much, but is this a police issue? Because we have officers out there, like you said, there are great officers out there. And I think everybody, most people know an officer, either close friends or family, whatnot. And I, my, I'm looking at it and I'm like, I have black friends, I have white friends, I have Hispanic friends. Especially growing up where we grew up in Florida, in South Florida. And all of my friends can tell you stories upon stories of where they were harassed or mistreated by police officers, uh, unjustifiably so. And you might hear me say this a lot on this podcast, but you know, I talk to my wife a lot. So I'm talking to my wife and I'm telling her, you know, people, everybody's not going to understand what it feels like. You know, the, the key is that you need to acknowledge that it is different. And whether that's one based on race or two, based on where you grew up. And for us, I think it kind of is two negatives. But that's a whole nother story. But I feel that officers, uh, there are officers out there that are on a power trip. And they feel that, you know, yes, you are the authoritative figure. And we... I I would hope most people understand that. But that at the end of the day, you are a part of this community just as I am a part of this community. You want to be treated as a human being just as I want to be treated as a human being. But I think that's where the conflict comes in because not, not only black people are being shot, you know, Everybody from male to female, black, white, whatever, are being shot to death by officers that are trigger happy, racist, prejudiced, that don't have the patience to de-escalate a situation. So that's what my question is, is is this not only a racial issue is this a a territorial issue because if you are living in a town that has 500 people and if it's you know one sheriff and two deputies uh the andy griffith show style you know then no you won't understand but if you grow up in Fort Myers, Florida, or Miami, Florida, or Ferguson, Missouri, or Baltimore, Maryland, New York City, New York, 
then you understand that, hey, if I'm walking on the street at, tonight, and it's like me and you in Miami that one time, if we're just on the street, crossing the street, walking, there is a chance that I can be pulled over. And I could be harassed for no reason. And I could be told, don't worry about why I'm being pulled over. Don't worry about what's going on. No, you cannot, cannot contact your family. No, you can't say anything. Sit here, stay still, and listen to what I'm telling you. And that is what I think is the big, or one of the big issues is there is no acknowledgement between certain groups of people that there is an issue or that the there is a fact that certain people will be harassed no matter what where no matter if they're wearing a three-piece suit and talking on the cell phone in broad daylight or if they're wearing a hoodie with a bag of Skittles and an Arizona sweet tea. If they're black and they fit some sort of description, then that's what we're going off of. Or if they're in Liberty City and they're driving a Chevy Impala, which is probably a million of, then that's the description. That's what we need to be looking out for. And I think that's the problem because every life you know should matter but the ones on the forefront right now are the ones that we're seeing in the media and that's black lives should matter but yeah on the contrast or it shouldn't be a contrast but blue lives matter too and we all should know that and just because i say black lives matter doesn't mean I can't say blue lives don't or matter and vice versa. But, but here's my issue with that. We've been screaming black lives matter for years. Right. The only difference is in our ancestors time and our great grandparents time, it was give me equal rights. Give me civil rights. So we've been saying the same thing for 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years now. Right. And yet we are still in in the same place. Yeah. No, it blows my mind that we as a country do not want to acknowledge that slavery existed. <laughs> we, it, you, it, it's, it's a correlation. Slavery existed. There were slaves in the United States. Our founding fathers, who we're taught to laud and praise throughout our, you know, our, our grade school years, they owned slaves. Yeah. But yeah, we, we try to erase this from our history so that no one can feel bad. So that, you know, we don't want to make uh, white America uncomfortable. And I can say white America and I can say white people because I have white friends. I have Latino friends, and they all know Leary doesn't have a racist nor discriminatory bone in his body, but I will not filter my tongue. I will tell it how it is. Everyone else wants to talk about black America and tell it how it is. Oh, y'all lazy, y'all this, y'all thugs, y'all criminals. 
I'm going to speak my mouth without a filter. That's it. We try to erase our history in order to appease or pacify a certain segment of society. And when you do that, when you fail to acknowledge history, you stand a chance of repeating it. Germany, for many years, has worked to remove itself from the Holocaust, to pay reparations to, to the Jewish community. The UK has worked, with the exception of Brexit, but you know that's for another episode, <laughs> has worked tirelessly to you know, remove itself from the, the, the scars of the transatlantic slave era, where they were the pioneers of such. They've acknowledged it, they've apologized, they pay reparations, and they continue to do so today. White America has not. As soon as you bring up slavery, oh, well, I had nothing to do with that, but you benefit from it today. You benefit from it today because they're not cops in your communities harassing you at the rate that they are in African-American communities. And you have to look no further than the Department of Justice report from Ferguson. I read that thing from front to back. Okay. In it, it says Michael Brown did not have his hands up in the air. I will give you that. Fine. But you know what else it said? There is a system in place, or there was a system in place, in that community where the courthouses, the tax collectors, the police officers, judges, all were in agreement, if you will, that in order to create revenue, generate revenue for the city, we need to tax or levy upon taxes the black community more. This is in the report. They will economically oppress black people in that community, harass them. Women try to go pay their parking tickets. Oh, you can't pay it in full? We're not taking 5%. Come back when you have the entire amount. But you know what? We're going to fine you another $50. Black man leaves the basketball court, gets stopped by the police. Who are you? Where are you? Where, where are you from? I'm just coming from the basketball court. What's your name? Mike. This man got sent to jail because he told the police officers that his name was Mike. But on his ID, it said Michael. Lost his job as a federal contractor because he was sent to jail. So, I got a question Tell for you. Tell me. Yes. So, you bring up the Justice Department, right? Question for you is, what do you say to people who try to justify the prejudice or racism and they use Justice Department statistics saying that black people commit murders at a higher rate Black people, more uh, there's more black men incarcerated right now than any other race, That's so systematic. on and so forth. What do you say to people that say, "Hey, the numbers are telling our officers mm -hmm. that black people, black men, potentially could be doing something wrong, so they need to be on our radar." Wow, that, that sounds like you're stereotyping and you're being you're discriminating against them again and again for the color of their skin. I'm sorry, I thought we were from a society that believed in innocent till proven guilty. Not oh you're guilty automatically before you do something because of this image that has been created about you 
or your people. I'm not, of course I understand that black people commit crimes. That goes without saying, everybody commits crimes. But I can also add that the black community, when it comes to being impoverished, living in poverty, is also doing that at a higher rate than other segments of society. You have Cubans who can come into the country, and I can say this again, because I have Cuban friends who have told me this. Or because you have your rights as a, in your First Amendment and being an American citizen? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. You know, unless you, know, you say something someone doesn't like, but anyway. <laughs> Where Cubans, or like my, one of my best friends, he's Cuban, and his parents and his grandparents came here. They were given Medicaid. They were given Social Security. Brought in, given a handout. Given an opportunity to start a better life, have a better life. Black people can't get that. We're, we can't even get justice in our own communities. These, these men are being killed for no reason. And the men that are shooting them are being sent home on pay vacation. I don't understand it when people say, well, all lives matter. Historically, the black life has not mattered in America. It has not. Hmm. I don't understand it when people say, well, you know, why don't y'all stop black on black violence first? Well, if you were in our communities, if you were in our communities, you would see the efforts that are being put forth to combat black-on-black -black crime if you were in our communities. Hmm. If, and I could very well say, you know, well, the numbers show that white people actually kill each other at a higher rate than black people, but, you know, that doesn't matter. Black people are the only people that kill each other, you know, their own people. But again, if you were in our communities, you could see our everyday struggle in our own communities. We don't feel safe in our own communities. We don't feel safe in our own country. And that is a problem. And when people don't feel safe in their own communities or don't feel safe, you know, in their own country, there's a reason for it. And the reason is because they're being harassed, economically oppressed every day by a white supremacist system that exists not only in America, but globally. I was just in a conversation last night with a young lady from Kenya. I've just recently learned that African countries that speak French that were once colonized by France yeah. pay a colonization fee. <laughs> what? A colonization fee. Basically, 75% of their GDP goes back to France. Wow. But white supremacy doesn't exist. Oh, you all have your freedom. We're no longer colonizing you, but you still have to pay us a fee. But white supremacy does not exist. Wow. This is what I mean. It's it's right there in our 